This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Auth0, authentication made simple for developers. Modern authentication and identity can be hard, but Auth0 makes it easy. With Auth0, you can enable login with any social provider, have multi-factor authentication, single sign-on, and passwordless login all at the flip of a switch. Find out how to add authentication to your Angular 1 or 2 app in under 10 minutes at auth0.com forward slash Angular. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm Justin Schwarzenberger. I'm your host for this episode. And today we got the Todd Show. It's going to be great. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about some Angular training coming up. So John Papa and Dan Walleen, uh, two amazing and highly experienced trainers in our industry are back at it again. They're going to be doing a two-day intensive Angular 2 training class in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida on October 6th and 7th of 2016. Uh, They're going to be covering all the basics to get you up and running with Angular 2, and they're also going to enlist the help of another uh, great trainer and contributor to our community, Joe Eames. So uh, with this powerhouse team, it's going to be a great event. If you want to learn more about this, uh, or if you're ready to buy some tickets, check out uh, www.ng-learn.com. And uh, hey, I, yesterday I just talked to my parents. They're actually a couple miles away from Fort Lauderdale. They say that it's uh, 90 degrees Fahrenheit during the day and 82 degrees at night. So definitely going to be some great weather there here upcoming in a month. So head on out there, put in some beach time, and uh, get some angular training. So... Uh, I thought you were going to say I spoke to my parents and they, they said I'm allowed to buy a ticket. <laughs> Maybe they'll buy me a ticket. I don't know. Maybe they'll buy you a ticket. Uh, probably not. But uh, it's going to be a great event, so check that out. Uh, again, it's www.ng-learn.com. Okay. Uh, before we get into the introductions and stuff, I want to let you know that we're going to be taking some questions over the show. Uh, you can tweet us at uh, hashtag... Uh, NG Air, right? And uh, you can tweet that during the show, and we'll collect those up, and, and at the end of the show, uh, we'll address some of those questions. So, uh, for our panelists today, we've got uh, Olivier Combe. Olivier, hey. what's going on? Hello, guys. And we also got a previous guest that we roped into becoming a panelist for the show, uh, Austin McDaniel. Austin, let us know. Thanks for having me, guys. And our guest for today's show, uh, another great uh, and highly experienced trainer in our industry, uh, the, the man with the ink. Uh, legend has it that he's been spotted recently on the pitch trying to get his football game going. I don't know. We'll find out about that. Uh, Mr. Todd Motto. Hey, Todd, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up? I'll have to show you the ink now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right, so Todd, what, what do you got going on now? What, what, what's the latest happening? Uh, it's all happening. It's all happening in England with the, with Angular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just working on uh, some some crazy ideas stuff um, for Telerik at the moment. Who I'm a de- developer advocate there. Um, we're we're basically working on um, an Angular two migration guide. So I just put another uh, guide out today on how to like convert your knowledge on Angular filters to Angular to pipes. So um, I, I, I can share my screen in a moment and whiz through the, the site for anyone who's not seen it. Um, but yeah, uh, working on that. Uh, building a load of 1.5 and above courses. Um, I'm going to give a little shout out to uh, Pete Bacon Darwin. He's been um, awesome for my stupid questions on some particular things. Um, uh, over Twitter, so that was good. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, and kind of uh, trying to guess where where everything's going to kind of go next. Keeping a close eye on Angular One, looking at where Angular Two is kind of developing, and kind of watching how Angular One is going to slowly sort of guide towards Angular Two in maybe 1.6 or 1.7, uh, which uh, Pete again has also mentioned. Um, so yeah. 
Cool, cool. And uh, you know, today's show we're going to cover talking about Angular 1.5 uh, components and that concept in there, and, and kind of unfold how that leads into what does that mean with, along with Angular 2 and the future of that and that sort of thing. So uh, we're going to get it through all those all those topics today. That would be great. Um, yeah. So uh, you you also got this uh, ng migrate stuff going on here uh, for your courses and stuff like that. Why don't you plug that a little bit? Yeah. Let me show you the. This is where my internet dies. <laughs> we'll try it. Let me know if you can see my screen. Yep. Sweet. Okay. Can you see the migration site? Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. So I've been working on this for a couple of months. Um, it's not. It's kind of my primary focus at Telerik is to build um, like a central place where there are basically a collection of tutorials. We call them guides where you'll go, you might have some basic knowledge of Angular, like how to create a, a component, all of this stuff, but then you come across the fact that you want to go and create like a, a filter. So uh, you can go on topics. I'll just mention that the website is ngmigrate.telerik.com, so everything's hosted there. Uh, this is completely open source, this website, so it's on uh, GitHub if you want to click this link. If anyone wants to post a, a, an article, um, as well, we're ex accepting pull requests. Uh, we've is had a couple already. Sorry? Is it built on Angular? No. This is a blog, in a sense. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've got this, like, topics page, which was quite difficult to do with Jekyll, uh, which kind of spits out all these different categories. Uh, so if you... <clears throat> excuse me. Now, quite interestingly, I, I put modules up here, uh, thinking that there would be nothing to write about. <laughs> uh, but now we can write about ng, ng module, which, uh, which we should get out this week or, or the week after. So let's say you want to learn something about filters. You can, you can go to filters. Uh, Burke, who is also on my team, um, he's put a using pipes in Angular 2, so it's like a, an introduction to how to use uh, a, a pipe, a filter pipe uh, in Angular 2. This one was the one I authored today, so this has just gone out. Uh, it's how to create a custom pipe. There we go. How to create... Can you, is my audio and screen okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're still seeing you here, yeah. It's, it's sad when your, your mobile tethering internet is better than your home Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, so there's some cool stuff here. Like, we've got this uh, guide was written for version, and then this is up to date with RC5, so... Uh, there's a couple of other posts that I need to go and update. Um, I can't think why, ng-module. So each guide kind of gives you a big table of contents. So here we've got how to create a custom filter in Angular 1, how to use a filter in a template, and then how to pass arguments to a filter, and then how to filter in a controller with the dollar filter service. So um, it basically either gives you a reminder, it teaches you just teaches you something new, like some people don't know that you can use dollar filter and filter in a controller. So it gives you that example on how to do the exact same thing here as in Angular 2. So it's pretty simple. The first chunk is Angular 1. So we just assume some like template code. This is like the, the syntax for a filter. So we, we have some value that we return from a function. Uh, well, this is a function argument. Then we can return some kind of new value. Um, then it's how to create a custom filter. This filter, it looks pretty disgusting, and it is. Um, it basically, if you give it like a data set of numbers like this, it will convert it into, oh, they stopped loading, because uh, it was killing my Wi-Fi. It basically will add like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, so it puts that suffix on the end, um, like these, first, second, third, fourth, so that's what that, that filter does. Uh, it shows you how to use it inside a template, and then how to pass arguments to filters, and then how to do that in the template as well. Uh, then we've also got dollar filter inside a controller, which you can just map over this, um, this variable of numbers. Simply call filter, just returns a new collection, just bind it, pass it off straight to the view. Then it basically does the exact same thing for Angular 2. So it says we need 
like we need pipe, we need pipe transform. We then decorate a class, then we can add this transform property. Um, it returns a string, etc. Exactly the same logic in here. Then how to use it in a template, nice and simple. And then where are we? So this was quite cool, and I only figured this out today. Um, that you can actually import like a pipe, put it as a provider, and you can actually inject it. So I do private pipe, which then makes it available as this.pipe, and I can just transform it in the actual component class. So it's it's pretty similar to dollar filter in, in Angular One. So that was a, a nice new find for today. And one question for you there. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you guys know better than me, but aren't uh, the providers going away in RC5 and then they're also gone in RC6? How do you declare those there? I think providers is the, the only thing staying on the component. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know it's chopping and changing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I kind of got away with that one. So this basically will inject it. Um, otherwise, this injection here will just completely fail. Uh, even though it's injected into the engine module, it still fails. Um, and then this is pretty much just treating it as some kind of controller. Um, ideally, this would probably go in something like um, uh, ng on init, but it doesn't really matter for, for this. It's just demonstrating how to use it. So yeah, it, it's basically a guide for all of this, so if you want to learn bootstrapping, so we're, we're planning on, um, like this one's bootstrapping in the browser, so we're planning on um, some examples with like server-side rendering, web worker rendering. Um, if you click on controllers, Lucas uh, has contributed this one, um, how to move from like ng controller to component classes. So this kind of takes you on like a, a journey of the evolution of controllers in Angular, so dot .controller, controller as, extracting the controller, then we're moving on to classes. Uh, so everything in there is like ES6. Um, cool. And so we're going to talk about that here on the show. We're going to dive into that, right? Um, before we do that, are these, so these examples uh, showing really an Angular 1x uh, uh, JavaScript and then in Angular 2 we got TypeScript? Yeah, yeah. So. I, I kind of decided, like, I put some tweets out, and I was like, sort of, if you wanted to be shown a concept in Angular 1, how would you want to see it? Like, ES5, ES6, um, and a lot of people said ES5, a lot of people, I think a few more people said ES6, um, and somebody I spoke to said anyone who that is considering an upgrade will have probably learned ES6 to some degree. Um, so it makes sense to, I mean, if you're up upgrading an existing code base, you're going to want to turn that into ES6 first. You're not, I, I hope. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would, unless obviously you know ES6 and you've used it elsewhere and you've got like an experienced um, bunch of members in the team who can then convert uh, ES5 app to ES6 or even just go straight to TypeScript. Um, and then slowly start adding decorators and, and all these sort of typey, scripty things. Right, right, right. And that's always the challenge too, right, when you're trying to produce training materials, figuring out, like, here's the point I want to teach. Uh, there's some supplementary stuff, so how do you ax out that stuff so that you don't confuse people and can get right to the, the guts of what you're trying to train, right? And so, cool. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite difficult trying to come up with a, a nice way that can capture like the most angular developers that will resonate with them like if you've got a component that uses a dollar scope for example as the first example and then you just jump straight to at component in angular 2 full of typescript annotations and all this stuff and then you're just going to go whoa like how do i even bridge dollar scope and all this kind of stuff um, like even like old school 1.4 and below directives where there was no dot component, you end up mixing a template, a controller, a link function, and you end up with this kind of component directive com combination of, of manipulation and view logic, which becomes a bit messy. So try and teach 
the latest Angular 1.5 APIs and then show how to merge them across. Because I think it's a bit easier to, to come from like 1.3 to 1.5, understand the components, the lifecycle hooks, uh, the one-way data flow syntax, which is new, and then go, ah, yeah, I get that, and I'm comfortable with Angular. Now I can just look at Angular 2 and go, okay, that's that, that's that, and it kind of joins the dots. So that's that's my plan for ng-migrate anyway. What's up? There's a lot of people that are using Angular 1 now that can't just hop to Angular 2, but they want to start taking advantage of TypeScript. You know, do you have any feedback for those people? Yeah, I really enjoyed your post. I really don't like TypeScript. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny, because at, at the conferences I go to, there's a lot of people who I'll be like, I'll do a talk, maybe, and they'll sort of ask some questions, like, how do you do this, or what is this? And then I'll say, what version are you using? They're like, 1.2. I'm like, whoa. And I think as in, as a community and in the industry in general is that there's probably a lot more people on the older versions of, of, of APIs and, um, like, Angular 1.3. There's probably more people on 1.3 than 1.5. So... It's it's a case of giving them advice and seeing what their problem is. 1.2 is the best version. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to hear about ThoughtRam. ThoughtRam. Extend your memory. Want to get up and running with the Angular framework, but don't have the time to read through all the documentation and tutorials on the internet? ThoughtRam's Angular Masterclass may be perfect for you. Check it out today at thoughtram.io forward slash training. Welcome back. Let's pick it up where we left off. So uh, I think that's a, a good bridge here. Uh, we have this scenario where I think you've got a lot of people that are still on 1x in some scenario. And then you've got people that have moved early on to, to 2, right? Yeah. And they moved beyond, and they moved at a time when this whole component thing wasn't around for 1x, right? So uh, why don't you start by telling us about uh, what this component thing is that we're, that we're in now to kind of get people who have already jumped to 2.0 and <laughs> kind of missed that change of what that means in 1.5, and then we can go into detail of what, how that maps almost to 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm not sharing my screen. So I'll basically do some coding stuff real quick, and we'll just demonstrate things. And if you've not used 1.5 or haven't seen 1.5, then the, this is the the strange thing is that you can if you use 1.5 with like TypeScript or something like this. Um, and I recently updated my Angular style guide for like components, rooted components, stateful, stateless. And if you if you just delete the words Angular module and some other stuff, it looks so similar to Angular 2. Like when you're using the new APIs, the new syntaxes. Um, so yeah. Let's. I don't know how you want to roll through it. Um, it might be cool to like talk about individual pieces, like what is. Uh, I'll, I'll sort of. Uh, there we go. That's the wrong. This way. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So maybe uh, maybe start with talking about the fact of how we went from uh, controllers to components now. And so for those people that are on 1.2 or or that sort of thing, how how we get this component component thing that you're going to talk about. Yeah, I think one of the the easier things is to take like a, a directive. So you have like my directive, um, and you you can obviously register this uh, Angular module directive, and then you would simply do my directive. Now, that gives you a whole bunch of stuff on this return object, and annoyingly we still have controller, we still have um, bind to controller, we have scope, we have all these things which shouldn't really be in a directive anymore. And I think maybe they might be deprecated in the distant future. Obviously, they can't introduce um, huge breaking changes, but I think that would probably free up some of the code base. So and one of the, the bigger questions and an observation that I see is a lot of people... Uh, I saw a comment on Reddit. I've seen at least three of them. Um, and it's, oh, I'm going to move to Angular 2 because I can move all my directives to components. I'm like, Angular 2 still has directives. 
and components. Like, and I think a lot of people get confused on the difference between the two. So, as a basic example, if this was the world's best button in the world, we have uh, an A tag. Now, if I wanted to add some custom behavior to this, I can then create a directive and bind explicitly to this element. So I'm actually creating like a bridge to that element. I can access the element. I can access the scope on the element if I want to. I wouldn't do that. Um, but essentially, this this could listen out for like different kind different kind of events. It could listen for like an escape key if you had like some kind of text editor or something that was wrapping. Um, so when you're not doing Angular, you should then create a directive. And I think the same applies for Angular 2. Um, however, if you want to create a directive with some templates and a controller, that's the point where you need a component. So we would have like my component. That would just be a custom element. And it doesn't stop you. Like if this was like a, a what's the word? Uh, no, logo with text editor or something like this. Maybe you could have a couple of directives that then are bound to this. So you could have like key change or something like this, and you could pass in a callback that then happens on the key change, or it listens for a particular event that this text editor needs to know about. So uh, let's get rid of that. Am I still here, by the way? Yes. Cool. <laughs> It's like so silent. Everyone mutes their microphone. <laughs> we're all locked in and and listening. We just we we'll get Austin in the, on the microphone, breathing deeply. <laughs> so we'll start off with uh, I'm going to create a function called my component, and then kind of show if anyone's never seen this before. So we can have a controller. Uh, and we just do it like this, whatever. Uh, we can then have template, and we can do some. Divvy stuff inside magic. There. Voila. So this is like a uh, like a component directive, and then then what happens is you need like a a magical click event somewhere down inside the template. So you you in, you create a link function, you inject element, you start using APIs that you don't really understand, and then start hacking away, and at the end of it, this component becomes a bit of a mess. So the idea with the components is you, you take this, this object here, so we can delete this, and we can just do equals this object, and we can obviously change this to constant or var, we'll do var my component, equals a new object. Uh, we can then create a controller property, uh, a template property. Now, if you're coming from like a directive background, you'll have something like this. If you've upgraded to uh, I think it's 1.3. You have this bind to controller thing where you can do true or false. Uh, let's say you had foo coming in as a two-way binding, and you had bar coming out as a like a callback binding. Uh, the new way that you can do bind to controller is you can just leave that as an empty object. You replace it like this. So this this is essentially what a component does underneath. And it basically wraps a directive. So you can change this bind to controller to bindings and then just completely delete scope. So this is this is pretty much the API that you'll be using is bindings, a controller, uh, and then template. And some of the time, um, if you're like using different files, so you could have like my uh, component controller, and then you can then go ahead, function, my component controller. So this this would live in like my component controller.js, and then you can just use the string lookup above. So then go and grab that particular uh, controller. So that's the basics of a component. It shouldn't do a lot more, but it's what you get from these new bindings and the controller that make components super interesting. So are there any questions before I carry on? No. <laughs> no, I started to see where uh, see the mapping of this to Angular two, so it's pretty cool too. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. They've um, the ng do check 
uh, Lifecycle Hook has recently landed in 1.5.8, I'm pretty sure it was. So we've got uh, the Lifecycle Hook do check. Now, this is the interesting part, is that this equal sign now should become this left arrow key sign, whatever you want to call it. So this essentially says, I want this data to be one-way data bound. So I think, let me, uh, there's no easy way to sort of show two pieces of code without creating files. Um, let's just duplicate this. We'll call this another component. Uh, let's go ahead and register these. Component, uh, what was it? My component, my components. Oh, that should do something. So I just create two components because you kind of need two to demonstrate this uh, like component coolness. So let's assume uh, like you have an app element and then everything's rendered inside there. Um, we'll just create like a div. So this could be like this div could be like part of a template partial. So if you, it could be part of a root, it could be a stateless component, stateful component. So what you would essentially do is think about your components as like an API. So and I, I used the term like a like a like a jQuery plugin at a conference. I'm not sure why, um, but I, in the sense that you with a jQuery plugin, you basically get this like huge object where you say this true, this false, something else true something else, pass another object, and then you get like a couple of function callbacks, like like a date picker or something. In jQuery, you would have like an on change or something, and then you would, if you're using it with Angular, for example, you could then wrap it in a directive and listen for these particular callbacks and then pass them off to your models. So that's how I kind of try and think about them, is what does this component do? Like if I removed it, what does it do on its own? Um, so you essentially have this thing called an input, which if you're looking at Angular 2 is well-defined. It's called at input. And then we also have this output, if I can spell. So in Angular 2, you define an input, and then you do like prop, and then whatever. Um, in the output, you do like output, prop, uh, and then you can call your event emitter stuff here. So we don't have to do that in Angular 1, which keeps it quite simple. So one-way data flow comes in, which can be from a controller, for example. So what we'll actually do is just to like demonstrate how this would actually work. Um, this is typically the, the kind of demo that I do. So let's assume you've got a request that's come back from the server. That could be like a, a routing resolve or however you want to go and fetch this data. Um, what you could then do is basically create this object. Now inside this template, um, you need to then go and render this another component. So do another component. So this basically creates the whole child-parent relationship between the two components, much like you would do in, in Angular 2. So beforehand, and I think this was a reason why Angular 1 got so popular, is because a jQuery developer with some experience of building web apps can just jump in and start building web apps with Angular 1 because it the, the level of entry is quite simple. You don't have to know about component architecture. You can just create an Angular app on one page if you really want to. Uh, Angular 2, you, you can't really do that. Um, you need to think about components and data flow and all this stuff that's enforced, whereas it was never really enforced with Angular 1. Like We had directives with optional scoping, which could just inherit from a parent scope, which caused a mess, and nobody really knew what we were doing. So what we can do um, is basically think about these as like, um, what I might do is actually, um, so let's, uh, what's a good example? We'll do uh, contacts. So 
I'm going to rename these. So component, my component is going to be called contacts and another component will be called contact details or something like this. That's going to work. Neither is that. <laughs> Neither is that. Good at JavaScript today. Uh, and then I need to go and change this. Bang. Contact details. Okay, there we go. So if you imagine you've just logged into like an application and UI router has gone, okay, take me to forward slash contacts in the URL, go and like typically you'd do the routing resolve with UI router on the actual route and then inject it. Um, if there's time, I don't know the time. If there's time, then we'll kind of show that real quick. Um, essentially with UI router, like you see here, I've got this bindings object. So before like resolves were cool, you might have like a user service. Um, and then inside here, you do like user service dot get, and then you would sort of do dot then, and then you would bind like this dot user to the response of this promise. So with the resolve, you can basically preload the data before you even transition to a contacts route, for example. So this turns this into a, uh, like a beforehand, this would be more of a stateful component because it goes and fetches this particular data. Whereas if you use dollar state on UI router, so I'll just type this actually real quick. So we'll say, uh, I know that's not even what I wanted to type. Uh, this is terrible today. State provider dot state contacts. Then we can do something like URL, point that to contacts. Um, then we can do, I would do, so this is an, a new feature of UI router. It's actually specifying the component that you want to use, so you don't have to use templates uh, anymore. So Chris has done an amazing job on this. Uh, that's going to be an object. I always mess this up. So if I had a property here called resolve on contacts, so I can basically do this and I can return like user service dot get, and then I would inject the user service here. So this would then fulfill the promise. Now in UI router, you used to inject this in a controller. So this word contacts on this particular component, uh, I know we want to make sure it's the contacts component. So contacts component, it doesn't have any bindings. At the moment, it like specifies data in the controller, which sucks. It then renders a child template. Um, so we can say, I want this component. When we go here, give me this piece of data. Now the cool thing is, is this resolve contacts now maps across to a binding. So this is like super clean and powerful. So all we need to do is bindings and then we can just say contacts and that will just give it to us like that. So there's no controller logic that go and fetches the contacts. So this would just instantly be available as this dot contacts would just be like an array of objects. So once you're like at that state where you have something that fetches you the data, um, so this is like super clean uh, in Angular 1. So let's assume we have this, um, this piece of data back. So we would want to say the user dollar control dot user. So I can now delegate this piece of information down into my contact details. So I'm, I'm not passing this data down and then basically going to run some controller logic in here because I think the way that it's it's too easy to sort of let's say we had a user service or something like that that was great so let's say you had a user service which you might want to update the user you could then do this dot user which is this property here that we just specified which I can then bind as a one-way binding so instead of doing that because I think that's how a lot of angular apps were built like or still are being built is to, to, to delegate logic into more logic into more logic. So we come up with this like way of doing completely stateless components that just act as like a, a pure JavaScript function where you would have an input. So this could be a function argument in an actual function. So Let's say it's... Are you talking about functional programming? Yeah, yeah. 
But I heard that you cannot do that in Angular 2, and you can do it in Angular 1. <laughs> no, no, well, I'm basically comparing these bindings to a function. So let's say you had user here. As I was looking because of an article on the Medium. Yeah, I can't that You cannot do functional programming in Angular 2 because they use classes. Yeah, I actually went on the Reddit thread to that, and there was like a million downvotes on the, the Angular Reddit thread. And then I went onto the React Reddit thread, and it had like 49 upvotes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> clearly, we're not liked over here. Um, Right, so this, this function argument as user basically acts as an input. It's an input to a function. It has data. Now, if I want to get something, I'm not, I'm not going to, like, mutate user directly, or, like, that would be a bad way to do things. So what I can do is, like, I could do, like, var copy. Um, I could make a copy of the user, so I can clone that object, uh, and then I could do, I don't know, let's just say that we want to, convert it to uppercase for some reason. So this function argument is my data input, and this return block where I'm returning new data is an output. So the idea is the same for like a component. So we have a binding, we get given the user. Now the only difference between this and the function is that we have a template that needs powering. So inside here I could do some manipulation logic. Um, and then once I'm satisfied, like let's let's assume that this dot user gets passed down as as an object. I want to go and edit the user. So this is where like the the lifecycle hooks in Angular one come into play. Now most of these have been backported from Angular two. So if you're wanting to upgrade your code base, this is like the the way to go. So when this component mounts essentially. It will have like some bindings. We have this this dot on changes call. Now this actually gets called before on init. So there's also a dollar on init, and that's also a function. No arguments. So the on changes basically gets called first, and it and it sets up like all these bindings and the the mapping across of data from the parent to the child. So what you would technically or typically do in here, so because we've got bindings and then user, is we would actually check for like a user property here. And if it does exist, we can then just rebind it. So we can do this.user. Uh, and you can either use object assign, uh, or to keep things simple, you can use angular.copy. So you can actually copy the user object. And this will basically break the reference between the parent data, so this gets passed down through here. On changes gets called when the child component gets gets compiled. It passes through the data as a change, and we can basically bind it to the component before the component has even been initialized. So that's the flow of this. So once on init gets called, this new reference to this.user will be a copy of the parent. So this allows us to, to mutate away inside on a near, or we could have foo function. Um, so we can manipulate this.user all we like inside the template. We can bind it to an input. And we can simply just call these functions um, to mutate this value. And unlike two-way data binding, which is when you use this, the equal syntax, um, it will not update the parent. So this is basically identical to Angular 2, like how Angular 2 would have, would do this. Um, I'm not sure on the process of cloning the this.changes, but if you test it in Angular 2 and pass an object down as an input, it will still update the parent if you do not clone it. So treating it as kind of immutable seems like a, a good idea. So, so Todd, I have a couple questions for you real quick. Um, yeah. On the, the your call to Angular copy, you know that was something we do in in the One X stuff. We use some of these helper functions that exist there. And do you have any idea if, if there's a plan in that for Angular two, like, or would you be rolling your own sort of thing? Uh, what kind of thing? Sorry. Like for Angular copy, right there, Angular dot copy. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
you know, there's really not anything that surfaced much in, in Angular 2 for doing that sort of pattern. Do you, do you know if there's anything in the framework to do that? I think I would, I mean, I, I would always use just object assign anyway, um, and then just merge it. If you looked at, like, React or uh, Redux, they basically use object assign just to return a new object every single time or a new collection every single time. So I would just use this, and seeing as... Um, I think one of the polyfills might polyfill object assign. So, cool. Babel. And then also, um, do you know, uh, are these lifecycle hooks that are available in Angular 2 uh, kind of one for one? Do they have the same in Angular 1x right now or 1.5 right now? They work slightly differently. So the Angular 2 has a couple more. Because if you think back to directives before components existed, you would basically have a directive and you kind of just made the directive and created a child directive and just kind of hoped for the best. Like you, there was, I think there was always something at the back of my mind, like I wish I could know when this directive was like created. Um, and you, and it's not really reliable at all to kind of rely on a link function or pre-link or a compile phase because they don't tell you much about a component, it's just the actual compile phase of, of a directive. So there are, I think it's view, child, init, and a couple of others. Uh, so, hang on, what are there? There's, uh, there's do check. Uh, we also have, I'll type these out and then you can tell me if I'm missing any. Uh, so we've got on changes, on init, uh, there's on destroy. So the do check uh, is new. On destroy, I've three guesses of what that replaces. And there was another one. Oh, I've forgotten it. I think. So um, Todd, you talked about you know immutability and that type of thing. Is there any like best practices that you would tell you know kind of you know I'm 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 looking at Angular one and you know there's all this fun talk around immutables and, and things like that, and they're, you know, being used in Angular 2 quite a bit, you know, how would I, as an Angular 1 developer, kind of do some of that? I think this is, like, one step there. I don't think... I haven't tried immutable.js inside Angular 1. I don't see why you couldn't use it. Um, there's also the ng-redux, which you probably want to use that alongside it if you're abstracting the state. Um, with regards to best practices, this is the guy. So, and let me get back to it earlier, actually. So let's assume I have this controller. Um, let's say that this was an ES6 file. So I can import my controller from whatever controller. Um, then this controller can be in a standalone file. So here I would do, um, well, export for one. Uh, my controller, doesn't matter what it's called. Now, if you, I mean, what are the, the like, I guess you can't really use the word best practice in Angular 2 because it's not really as mature. Um, but Immutable.js isn't like a requirement for Angular 2. Gotcha. I was just wondering, you know, what, what you, kind of your feedback and, and thoughts are on, you, you know, immutable data structures and, and, you know, since you were touching on, you know, how to do copying and stuff like that. Yeah, so it kind of, it doesn't enforce immutable, immutability. So it, it works in as kind of a, the mindset of I'm pretending that this is kind of immutable. So uh, let me show you this real quick. So uh, we have the constructor. So uh, then you have on changes. Uh, then you have on init. So if you can use ES6 now and start rewriting or just changing pieces of your Angular 1 app across to ES6, you can start using all of these patterns. Now, it doesn't take much to do implements 
uh, on init, and then just change this to ng on init. Like that's pretty quick. And if you're uh, if you're using the this keyword, everything is this dot foo equals function whatever. So there's not even a lot that you're gonna as long as you're using the this keyword, which is kind of advocated like. If you're ever using scope, then now's the time to change. I don't think anything, like if you look at other frameworks, nobody uses some like mystical object anymore. So refactoring an Angular 1 app in this kind of state so is, is a lot simpler. And then just to be clear, that's, that's TypeScript there with the implements, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you like TypeScript. We're going to break for a moment for a message from Angular Class. This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Angular Class. If you're looking to learn the latest and greatest in modern web development techniques, or you need Angular 2 training, then sign up today at angularclass.com. Welcome back. Let's pick it up where we left off. Really what we're getting here is uh, in Angular 1.5 now is not only this mapping to Angular 2, but like you mentioned, you also get these lifecycle hooks that we really didn't have before, right, in 1x that we can take advantage of. So it's kind of like two wins right there. Yeah, completely. And just to finish the picture, uh, where are we? There we go. So just to finish the picture, we've obviously got the, the input to the component. Now, if I want to know up here, um, so user update equals function. So if I want to know in the parent, so this will be like a stateful component that kind of manages all of the child components. So there's, there's no harm in having, there might not be contact details, but can we uh, contact something else? contact another. So you basically have this like high-level container component that basically renders these child components, passes data into them, and expects something back, which is very similar to like functional um, uh, functional functions. <laughs> so let's assume that we've passed this piece of data back uh, into this contact details, but we also want to pass this function down. Now you do this as an output in Angular, uh, two, so you would do like something like change. That's how you do it in Angular two. Um, in Angular one, because we don't have the the square brackets or the the normal brackets, I would just prefix it with an on. So uh, we could call it on user change, something like this. We could do dollar control user update. Call the function like this. Then all we need to do is go down to our bindings. We can do that. We can change this to capital C. On user change, we can just say that's a function. So that's coming down as a function. Now the interesting piece is, let's say, let's say this rendered a form, right? And the user object was bound, so we had like an input uh, with an ng model which did control.user. So immediately, this is binding the copied user object. Now, if we below, let's assume this is wrapped in a form, so it actually works. Uh, I'm going to use click. Don't ever use any click on a button. Um, so we could say the role of this component is it expects data in, it wants to mutate it, and then it, it, it will just pass it out when it's ready. So uh, contact details, we could say um, update please. That could be my function that gets called. So we can we can then create this this function here. Now. Old school Angular is, okay, so I'm going to inject my user service here, and I'm going to do update user and ping this this.control off and whatever. Um, this is now the same as like Angular 2. So instead of calling something in here, we can do on user change, and we can just call this function. So this is being passed down from this parent, so user update is basically mapping across to this binding, which acts as the same, similar to the output, although it uses uh, the event emitter API in Angular 2. So we can do this dot on user change. Now, this is something that Pete Bacon Darwin taught me that was really cool, is to like use dollar event. So it kind of standardizes all of your components. So uh, I've recently built a pretty decent sized contact manager, and I've just got 
I think like five components, which are literally just a controller with this dot on changes and a function that simply just calls the parent function. So if I want to pass a user object back, um, for simplicity, we'll do var control equals this. Um, so then I can do control dot user. So that will basically pass me back up to the parent an event object, which is fake, with a property called user, and it uses the control.user. So the data comes in, we can then bind it to something like this, we can change some values, we can press please update, this function gets called, it calls the parent, it exposes it, passes the object back, and inside here, we just get the event back. So we could do, so this is now being passed up to the user service like, or to the parent where we can access the user service. So if you imagine, this is obviously the best asynchronous piece of code you've ever seen. Uh, that won't <laughs> work. So, and then you can call it update, update date, brilliant. <laughs> update user, and you can just simply do that, event.user. So your whole, like, API is designed around deprecating two-way data binding, basically. So instead of automatically pressing a few buttons in a child component and it two-way data binding automatically up to the parent and then you, you pass it off to the service or whichever, you become a lot smarter. So you define the role for the component, you give it the data, you give it the function, bind those in, clone it, do something with it, send it back when it's ready, the stateful component gets gets called, it says, okay, I've got an event, I'm just going to pass that off to the user service. And this pattern works extremely well. It also works quite well if you've got like a few layers of components. So let's say inside of contact details, I want a, another component. So you could have another one. And this can then just do the exact same thing. So if you had um, I don't know. Let's just call it a map where you wanted to do. Let's assume that the control.user has a coordinates object of where the person lives or something like this. You can then delegate this down into another component and you can just delegate a function down and you, you begin to sort of pass everything back up. And I think this is basically how React works in a way. Like you just use this.props, which is basically like this.user. React gives you the whole object. You can do this.props dot whatever. So you can just call it if it's a function, if it's a piece of data, and you get this kind of one-way flow where you can set state and you pass it back. Um, so it's only when you want to introduce like big like abstractions where you use something like Redux. But what I wouldn't do is like jump into a new framework and try and use all the things. I would understand the patterns below them. Like this is a pattern. It's a stateless component. It it doesn't you pass it some data, press the same thing, and it will give you the same data or the same expected data result back. So these are these are like super easy to test. Like you it's like three lines of code to test this. You just call this function and expect a, an object back. Like it's really, really simple. Yeah, and it's really that concept of you have this orchestrator component that's, that handles all your data, and then you have a bunch of helper ones down the chain that, that do something with it, but this main top-level one is handling your state, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it works really, really nicely. You just need to, like... And it, it also cleans up your unit tests quite a lot because you end up mocking, like, the same service, like, 50 times across your code base, whereas if you adopt, like, a stateful component and say, okay, this component is the top-level component, it's in charge of my data, it's in charge of the service calls. Um, it might be that the data comes in from uh, a binding on the root. So this is the other cool thing, is that, and I spoke to Chris, uh, the Chris, the UI router guy. Uh, Chris Thielen, I think is, uh, I can't rubbish with names. So if this came down from UI router, this is where things get even cooler. So back to this bindings thing, where let's assume uh, user came down, 
uh, was it user? I don't know. We'll call it user. So the resolve on the UI router will then map this across to user. So again, your component here isn't even. It's only in charge of updates. It's not in charge anymore of actually getting the data. So this this frees it up, and you can just test this component super easily. Like just pass an object straight into this as a binding, which then gets passed into here. You can call whatever, um, and then all it's all that this is in charge of is updating. Um, and you could obviously have a delete function as well. And there's not. Well, most apps are like just CRUD applications. Like, we just want to read stuff, update it, and delete it. I think one thing that you said there that that was really important is you don't want to just kind of grab all this stuff, right? All these libraries like Redux and and you know uh, immutables and all this type of stuff. You want to understand the patterns, and that, I, I think that is really important to um, to make sure and drive home to our watchers. Yeah, I think so. It's it's kind of like, let's say, because MobX is like the new cool thing in the React community alongside Redux for like abstract abstracting the data. Um, and let's say you went you. I mean, we're kind of diverging into React now. But let's say you're a React developer that only knew how to do Redux. Um, like these kind of data abstraction tools are, are new to Angular, so we, we won't talk them in, about them too much uh, in Angular. So if you only know how to real build a, a React app with Redux, and you go to an interview and you say, create me a stateless component that fetches some data and passes it down to a few other ones, when you basically abstract these things out, you kind of lose stuff like this. So this is a special binding which it's a function callback. So this gets lost because you do like um, you dispatch an action here instead and it just flies off to this global storage of store. <laughs> storage, storage. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think the whole um, the architecture to these things has become the, it's like a switch has been made, like very suddenly in Angular. The it's gone from okay, I've got a home page. I'm just going to code a thousand lines of HTML and sprinkle on some directives. To okay, we need to think about components. We need to think about lifecycle. What happens when a component gets updated? So oh, that that's another important thing is when this on changes lifecycle hook gets called. So let's assume I did a set timeout in here and I updated control.user, this lifecycle hook would then be called and we would then go ahead and clone this piece of data again and it would just set it back in the stateless component. Because these 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 components do not care where the data comes from and that makes them like highly reusable. Cool. Well, we're getting to the end here, so we've got to get some wrap-up going on. But uh, I think this is a great uh, concept here. That I mean, you're talking about Angular 1.5 stuff that you're showing us here, but it really applies to Angular 2. Um, it's, it's this concept stuff, so a um, lot to take away from there. That's pretty cool. Uh, do you, so uh, we did want to try and talk about a little bit about the module word. Uh, so I don't know if we have a whole lot of time. Maybe, I don't know, can do a quick little summary on that, and then we can get to our picks. Todd predicted modules with his Angular 3 post. Mm. Did, we, did we include that in there? Did we? Yeah, I think we did. Your <laughs> Angular 3 April Fool's post. Uh, yeah, it's up to you. I mean, do you want to talk ng-module, angular.module? I don't know. Maybe it's something for another show. Probably a little too, too in-depth for right now for a little five-minute episode. So uh, let's just hop to our picks. Um, I'll start off real quick. Uh, my picks for this week uh, are, well, I thought we were going to cover the NG module, so I'm going to, uh, but you can read more about it. Uh, there's a thread going on right now on uh, an issue uh, where Rob jumps in and really tries to explain NG modules and the, uh, for using them in larger applications. Uh, it's a great read. Uh, Ward Bell jumps in there and, and talks about uh, what we mentioned earlier, which is the providers uh, on the component metadata is one that's staying around. So he discusses that. Um, and then Rob also 
assures us another time here in this thread that uh, the Angular 2 API has this complete status, so we should feel pretty comfortable about that. And so those are my picks. I'll have links up in the show. Um, Austin, what do you got? Yeah, so um, Angular 2 hot module reloading. Um, Patrick JS uh, just released that on Sunday, I think it was. I added it to my app. It was amazing. I'm still drooling from just watching it, the magic of it just changing. Um, so you should definitely check that out. Also, uh, Angular 1.1 uh, release. There's some big new stuff in there. And Angular 2 um, went from, you know, has a lot more stuff going on now. There's 18 components in there. Um, before this release, there was only six. So if you're on the Angular 2 train, definitely check out Angular Materials' new release and, and start digging in there. It's still an alpha for Angular 2, right? It's like alpha 17 for Angular Material. <laughs> Answers. <laughs> well, let's look that up. Uh, Olivier, what are, what are your picks? Um, yeah, so um, <laughs> I had one pick on, on modules as well. Um, so I guess that people who feel that we should have talked about this can read our picks. Um, this one is an article on angularuniversity.io uh, on their blog, uh, and it's a really, really, really long uh, article on, on module and in Angular 2 and everything you need to know uh, if you want to do just use them or do uh, lazy loading and stuff like that, uh, which are more advanced, uh, because I know that a lot of people have problems with modules. Um, I do I do have some problems when I write my libraries and post issues because they don't know how to make it work, uh, even if it's in the documentation. Um, so if, you, if you're still struggling with this, uh, make sure you read this article. And my second pick is uh, self-kudo, because I need to uh, apparently decided to use ng2 translate, uh, or at least to say to whoever asks about translation in, in Ionic 2 to use ng2 translate, which is my library. So I'm happy with that. Uh, um, I'm going to try to make uh, more. I, I just added more examples to to my library, and one of them is for Ionic 2. Um, I'm going to try to make more documentation for them because the Angular 2 code is a bit different from regular Angular 2. Very cool. Very cool. And I, I want to plug that too a little bit because I was looking into building a uh, separate module in a separate repository to bring into our application. And so your ng-translate uh, example is a great place to also hit up if you're thinking about building your own modules in their own separate repository that you want to bring into another app. Uh, check out that source code. It's, it's a great reference, and it's updated to RC5, so pretty good. Um, we actually did have one question uh, from Twitter, so let's, I'm going to throw that at you, Todd, uh, before you give us some of your picks. Austin's so, uh, working. It's, it's probably one of his fake accounts asking stupid <laughs> questions. Yeah. What do you do in this weekend? No, it's um, Darko <laughs> asks, uh, hey, Todd Motto, when starting a new dev or project, uh, do you choose 1.5 or 2 and why? So give us a rundown on that real quick and then give us uh, some picks if you got them. I would choose Angular 3. Um, yeah. I, I had this conversation the other day although it was about Angular and React, actually. You don't want to know my answer. No, I'm joking. No, I, 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 basically, um, I basically said, depending, because a lot of people ask me, like, are you using Webpack? And I'm like, I don't go into an office and write code, like, 9 to 5. Like, I used to do that. Uh, but as a developer advocate, it's learning new things, speaking at conferences, uh, writing tutorials like ng-migrate, working out things, writing how to build a whatever demo app. Um, so we, we don't do a lot of like heavy engineering, and I do not have like a go-to project where... So you, you don't really work anymore. Yeah, I don't really... I, That's all I heard. I just use my, my English accent as, as a get into conferences. Um, the last place I was working at was on Angular 1.2, then we migrated to 4. This was before 1.5 came out. Um, 
we actually decided to move to React, although that's not what you wanted to hear. Um, Angular 2 was way not ready then, so this was like way, I think it was alpha, alpha, alpha. Um, and we, we kind of made the decision then on what would be, because it, it's not at the end of the day, it's not like, oh, what's cool, what do I need to build my app in today? It's like, what makes sense? Like, we wanted server-side rendering for the app. Um, Angular 1.4 did not do that. Angular 2 was nowhere near, like, I think it was like Alpha 1 or something that just came out when we made this decision. So we started we started doing this. Um, and I, I said on Twitter the other day when somebody asked me this, it was if I was building like a three-month client project that said, okay, we need three months worth of dev, we're going to build this, we don't need a mobile application, we just need a web browser, I would go, okay, let's just get it done. Like, I mean, you can use Angular 2. Um, it's apparently API stable for 2.0.0. Um, but I, I actually tweeted the other day that I, th I said, I think we'll see, we'll see the real Angular 2 in 2.1. Um, so that was my thoughts on it. All right, cool, cool. And do you have, do you have a pick for us? Um, I was just going to do a, a shout-out to Chris Thielen, um, the UI router maintainer wizard, awesome guy. Uh, he's he's helped me a lot with uh, learning some of the new UI router stuff. And where we would do things previously, like RootScope on success, all these events, he's basically rewritten uh, this API. Um, he's deprecated it, for one the RootScope stuff, and he uses this transitions object, which is extremely powerful. Uh, I've recently written a 1.5 app, which uses Firebase, and I can authenticate the entire app with one return statement in the new UI router stuff. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah, he's been doing some amazing work. I know he's planning on um, building a React capability for the UI router, uh, and he's plowing through... I think he's got like five clones because he just he just works on twenty four seven. He's amazing. So, I'm yeah, actually was, the, the UI router with Angular two in my project. It's awesome. Yeah. You Sweet. didn't fancy the the Angular two router. All right, cool. Well, um, we got some announcements for some upcoming shows uh, next week. I believe it is. We got GraphQL and Apollo with uh, Yuri Goldstein. And then after that, we've got NG1 to NG2 with Joe Eames on our show. So that'll be great. Thanks, Olivier and Austin, for helping us run this thing. And thanks a lot, Todd, for coming on. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for the invite, as ever. Shame Jeff's not here as well. but <laughs> He was the one who invited me and then just left. And then he's bailed. So, all right, cool. Thanks for joining us. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.